0: Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books they are Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week, we are reviewing Piranesi (laughs) by Susanna Clark. Um, Rob and I just spent a few minutes trying to figure out what the right way to pronounce that is. So we're probably going to pronounce it several different ways through the course of this episode. But uh, if you go to YouTube and look how to pronounce Piranesi, that's what you'll get, something along those lines. Maybe even more nasally than that. Um, Hey, we did take a week off. Because
1: Rob moved into a completely new booked studio. Yeah, I moved. I got a new apartment. And um, so we can't call it the booked studio anymore because it's a booked one bedroom, I guess. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations
0: <laughs> on your upgrade in a spatial space, whatever, having more room. So uh, glad you're you're in a new place. But I thought we'd mention that that's why we were taking a week off. I think we, we mentioned um, it at the end of the last episode. Yeah. Um,
1: but that's that's where we've been the last 14 days. It was needed, too, because so I had um, last Tuesday was technically the first day of my lease in the new place. But I had like the weekend to move if I wanted to move stuff in. And so I hate moving and I don't want to inflict that on other people. So I moved 85 percent of my stuff by myself in like small increments and um then my brother helped me with like like furniture bigger stuff that I can't move on my own and I was exhausted man like every muscle was sore like it was just miserable so if we had tried I was set up and I could like I had internet and everything we could have done like an interlude last week but I would not have been in like a fun mood to do that kind of thing
0: I think the secret to that is everybody hates moving, but I don't think you hate helping people move as much as you hate moving.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's for someone else. It's like, man, I want to help them not suffer. But for me, it's like, I want to help them not suffer. So, yeah,
0: I didn't ask anybody to help me move. Sure, and and we all appreciate that, except for your brother, (laughs) who's probably pissed off at you.
1: I Um, will, but no, the thing about I, I want to say, I want to acknowledge that you did offer to help. And, um, I, I, turned you down. So, um, I appreciate that.
0: I look at this at, at work too. If I can help another, um, you know, a peer with something like I help for a few hours, but like they have to do all that shit before and like all the shit after I'm gone. So I know for me, it's like, I'm in and out like, all right, I'm gonna help someone do something. that's going to be four hours, but then I'm done when you're moving. It can be, and, and I know you were, you were, in a smaller place but you know now that you're in a bigger place you'll accumulate more shit the next time you move it's going to be like x amount of hours before you do the moving the next amount of hours after you do the moving so it's really like three or four times as long as yeah you know the process of having someone help you move so but i am glad that you are settled i'm glad we have internet and i'm glad we have a book to review this week that book beer and easy and is easy. by Susanna. it's by Susanna clark <laughs> She's an English author best known for her debut novel, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, a Hugo Award-winning alternative history. Two years later, she published a collection of her short stories called The Ladies of Grace Adieu and Other Stories. Both Clark's novel and her short stories are set in a magical England and written in a pastiche of the styles of 19th century writers such as Jane
1: Austen and Charles Dickens. I would acknowledge that, um... Even though I got the bio off of Amazon, the bio on Amazon acknowledged that the bio was taken from Wikipedia, and it was much longer than this thing that Livius just read, and I cut cut a lot out of it. That's why it might sound a little bit weird, but the part where it switches and says two years later, I didn't change that, so they just wrote it awkwardly. (laughs) Gotcha. Author bios, we still do that. We still offer those services. Anybody who is interested, correct? bookpodcastgmail.com. All right, here's a little bit about the book. Uh, Piranesi's house is no ordinary building. Its rooms are infinite. Its corridors, endless. Its walls are lined with thousands upon thousands of statues, each one different from all the others. Within the labyrinth of halls, an ocean is imprisoned. Waves thunder up staircases. Rooms are flooded in an instant. But Piranesi is not afraid. He understands the tides and he understands the pattern of the labyrinth itself. He lives to explore the house. There's one other person in the house, a man called The Other, who visits Piranesi twice a week and asks for help with research into a great and secret knowledge. But as Piranesi explores, evidence emerges of another person, and a terrible truth begins to unravel, revealing a world beyond the one Piranesi has always known. For readers of Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane and fans of Madeline Miller's Circle, Piranesi introduces an astonishing new world, an infinite labyrinth, full of startling images and surreal beauty haunted by the tides and the clouds. All right, I want to start by saying this is a short
0: book. Rob has a beautiful copy,
1: um, probably right in front of him. What
0: would this thing clock in at, like, 250 pages or something? Oh, man, you're
1: so close. 245.
0: There you go. Um, This, in stark contrast to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, which I um, (laughs) did not read, but I believe to be some, like, 800-page monolith, if memory serves correctly, I feel like at some point I had a copy of that book just because it was a big book. Mm. I'm trying to think why, but at any rate, so, um, yeah, uh, this one's going to be interesting to talk about because uh, if you couldn't tell from the synopsis, there's 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 probably some mystery surrounding uh, Pyrenees' story. And I don't know how far we can go. So, of course, as always, we'll be very, very careful, um, at least up until we head into spoiler talk, where there's definitely some discussion-worthy stuff. But we are introduced to a, uh, I'll say, young man, but he believes himself to be uh, in his mid-30s. His name is uh, is not Piranesi. He isn't really sure what his name is, but that is what the other from the um, synopsis refers to him as. So we kind of introduced to him as he is, uh, you know, working on his journals. That's what he does. He does stuff. He collects up uh, materials to to use uh, for clothing or food or warmth or or whatever. And he explores this, you know, labyrinth of, like he says, the house. Were you under the impression that it's all connected? Like it's one big place? Okay. So, yeah, house is is an odd term for it because it really sounded more like a museum filled with statues to me.
1: Yeah, and it's alright, so that's where it's a little bit difficult to visualize, I think, for me. So the actually the very beginning of the book, it starts out with and I'm gonna actually because of this style, how it's written, it's very kind of otherworldly feeling. I'm actually gonna read part of the book at some point. But um the kind of first action that we're introduced to is um there's this convergence of tides coming from three different, you know, I think it's north, east and west or something that only happens very rarely. And he knows it's coming because in the synopsis, it says this kind of trapped ocean has tides and he knows how they work. Um, He's going to watch these three tides converge and he knows that he has to be certain level high in order to avoid getting, you know, drowned out or whatever. So there's like a height and a depth to it that's weird because the way that it's described, it always made it feel like it was like you were saying, like one big museum. But um, uh, it has an otherworldly kind of aspect to it where he does describe early on that in the lower levels or areas of the house uh, is where the ocean is and then depending on the tides obviously it rises and in the higher levels or whatever is where like the clouds and the atmosphere are so it implies like multiple levels but at the same time i always felt like it was like one story but just really tall or something i couldn't really figure out exactly how it was how it would actually look
0: that that's how i pictured it like probably like uh I don't know. I mean, obviously something from like Roman times, you know what I mean? Like all stone, very, very high. And the statues are, are, are are large. There's, there's a a good amount of climbing that he does from time to time. So, so the statues are gigantic. Um, maybe that's my word, not the, not not necessarily the word of the book. So if I'm getting that a little, if someone has a different opinion of that, um, my mind, it's kind of my take on it, but yeah. And he lives here, um, which is probably a little weird. I'll, I'll spend a moment talking about statues. And the statues are all very familiar mm. to us, right? So when I say familiar, there's like... Um, you know, there's like a, a gorilla like know, holding a banana, right? And there's like a, a woman who's a beekeeper. You know what I mean? So the, these are things that we conceptually are familiar with. You know, like two guys fighting with swords. Like, you know what I mean? So they're they're not alien to us like this
1: place might seem alien to us yeah and i guess one thing i want to point out is that we're getting this all from the perspective of piranese who uh so we know what this character knows from their perspective from their mindset in a world that's completely foreign to us but it's being written in journals so um it's being written as if like we know what's going on, so in the beginning it's a little bit confusing and bewildering uh, but <laughs> it's also described that like there are hundreds upon hundreds of like it's almost it feels like it's an endless structure like one big structure and he that's what he sees is his entire world is this kind of collaboration of different halls full of statues so it's definitely not something that we could conceptualize in the real world um it's just like an exaggeration of and it's called even in this in the synopsis a labyrinth which you could absolutely like kind of justify because it seems so endless and and uh grand of scale i guess um do
0: you want to take a shot at, at the intro paragraph before we kind of go a little further into
1: Piranesi's house Yeah. So this I'm going to say when I first started to read this book, I picked it up. I read like three sentences and I was like, well, I'm starting this later. And I put it down (laughs) because I just wasn't mentally prepared to kind of parse through what what the information was that I was receiving. So I'm going to read the first two sentences are going to be a uh, a header and a subheader. And then after that, I'm going to read two sentences, which is the first paragraph. And this is how we're introduced to this story. When the moon rose in the third northern hall, I went to the ninth vestibule. Entry for the first day of the fifth month in the year the albatross came to the southwestern halls. When the moon rose in the third northern hall, I went to the ninth vestibule to witness the joining of the three tides. This is something that only happens once every eight years. So that's how it started.
0: Yeah, a little daunting. I, I agree with you. When I first started, I mean, I wound up reading for 20 minutes or so yeah. in my first clip at it. But yeah, and it, <laughs> there are books you read that you completely understand the world, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bob wakes up, Bob goes to his job, he's copping on the freeway, and you, you already understand exactly where he is. When you get into something that's... Um, Fantasy, science fiction, whatever you would call this. Yeah, there's there's levels there, too. Right. And this one did definitely strike me as one that was going to um, uh, cause a little bit of a headache to figure out, especially the the his dating system. Right. So I don't have it in front of me. But, uh, you know, the the 17th day of the ninth month of the year, the albatross came to see me is 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 a very, um, yeah. you know, it, it's it's a very weird way. But um, pretty early on, there's something a little disconcerting that happens too is is, and and I don't know how long it took you to like catch on to this. He's in a place very, 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 very foreign to us. But a lot of the concepts, ideas and words he uses are very familiar to us. So even even a month, like if I I heard someone describe as something as a month, I would have to assume that that's a um, Earth human concept. Right. Like like I'm sure that Martians measure time somehow too. Maybe by when the albatrosses come to see them. But <laughs> but you you get what I'm saying. Right. Like he yes. makes references to things that shouldn't that don't
1: feel right in the house that he lives in. Yeah, and that's so and that's all right. I know we're kind of getting off into the style or the format of the book a little bit, but like that's what made this story so fascinating in the beginning and what carried me forward was that basically it established this weird otherworldly kind of situation that this person is in, but incorporating things in a worldly way that just don't make sense. And so it's like, why is this, what, what's going on? Where's the, where's the crossover? Why is this person not acknowledging uh, any, you know, this type of thing? And so, it yeah i I totally agree that there was this like dissonance between reality and what we're reading and it was it was fascinating to see where this was going to go a little bit more about uh the
0: world that this takes place in because house just sounds so terrible so world is kind of my my own my own terminology for it um that's it there are two people um there are two people that are alive there is piranessi and then there's uh, the other, who we'll talk a little bit about. Um, but Piranesi only knows of 14 other, 15, 13 other people, and that's because those are the the remains or bodies that he has found. He has not had any contact with these people as living people. Um, but one of the things he does is he takes offerings to them, so he he makes sure that they're in, uh, you know, their their bones or or you know kept safe from the floods, but he brings them food and he brings them water. So he's, he's become very ritualistic, you know, uh, does a lot of journaling. He does a lot of tide tracking. Um, and he spends time with, uh, with the other and, and takes care of, of these bodies isn't even the right word so much as these bones, these remnants of, of, of people
1: long gone. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't sound like if you said, Hey, this is going to be your life. I'd be like, that sounds awful, but this guy is like super happy. He just lives a very simple life. He's grateful for what the house putting up air quotes uh, provides for him because there's fish that he can catch and eat. Um, He does a lot of really creative stuff with seaweed as far as making nets and uh, you know, other types of things that he needs. Um, So like a very plain very barren type of solitary existence, but he is happy as a clam. He lives in this place. He knows that the house appreciates him and provides uh, the things he needs to survive. And he's happy that he gets to see the other a couple times a week when they have their planned meetings. Um, And yeah, he's just cataloging what's going like i think he's he's cataloging all the statues right that's one thing that he's doing is Mm -hmm. his project is to to which is crazy because there's hundreds and hundreds of rooms filled with hundreds and hundreds of statues so it's like one of those i don't know how you plan to actually accomplish that tasks but that's one thing he decided was important to do so in his you know in his time that's one of the things that he does is try to record what's going on with all the statues.
0: Yeah, and I'll say one more thing about scope, because it occurred to me when you were talking about that. At one point, he um, he feels the need to complete a task, and he has to go to a certain one of these halls, which takes him three days to get to. Yeah. But yet he knows there are halls that he refers to as far-off halls, right? So the three-day trip through this, this you know for lack of a better term, museum, right, filled with statues, is that he can go three days and he knows he's nowhere near the end um, of it. So yeah. yeah, that was just a little bit more on, on scope and how weird it is uh, trying to submerge yourself into, into this book. The other. So um, as Rob mentioned, he meets with the other twice a week. Um, the other is very, very different from, from Piranesi. He's um Piranesi is very interested in people and like he wants to know about the dead people and he wants to know things. And the other is very single minded in that he wants to discover uh, what was it in the the synopsis, the great and secret knowledge that he believes the house holds. And essentially the only relation he has to Piranesi is what the two of them can discover together. So uh, he's he's a he's a very different character. He's very um, driven and motivated by this one thing, Well, as Rob, I think, put it really well, Piranesi's kind of just happy for the things he has. The other is quite the opposite of that.
1: Yeah, it's obvious that there's like an agenda, um, and he's going to use Piranesi to um, get the information he needs to 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 meet the agenda. Um, and so like. That's that's the that's the setup for the book. That's kind of what's going on. Um and I think that we have to play along with the synopsis as far as um uh how far we can go with talking about more stuff, but like suffice to say that as time goes on, um some events nudge uh Piranesi into discovering information that he wasn't aware of or had forgotten that kind of changes perspective of what's going on in his world and maybe the motivations of the, of the other as well. Like things are, are thrown into question and he has to like struggle with, there's definitely like a grappling with um, his knowledge of reality and, and what he wants to do as different information comes to light that conflicts kind of his simple, happy view of the world that he lives in and there you have
0: it that's our uh short and simple look at the first 10 pages of, <laughs> of piranesi yeah come on um, <laughs> yeah wow uh yeah, so uh, I, I think I mean I don't know if it's too early to go to spoiler talk. I almost figure like we could feel like we could figure more stuff out there and come back to to um, talk about this some more. I will say they, it's in the synopsis, right? Evidence emerges of another person. So yeah. just think to yourself, if all you've ever known is that it's you and this one other person, and there's a possibility of a third person, how that could change
1: your outlook on things. Yeah, dude. Yeah pretty big deal pretty big deal and so i guess one of the things um if it wasn't if it wasn't obvious already there's definitely a supernatural aspect (laughs) uh to this story and um part of that is uh in in conversations with the other um the other will offhandedly say things to Piranesi about how you know i can't I, think, I can't remember exact situations, but he basically would say things Im- implying or straight out saying that um, Piranesi forgets things. That there's like a a memory problem with, you know, Piranesi as a character, which explains why earlier when we were talking, we, Livius mentioned that, you know, Piranesi doesn't know what his actual name is. There's definitely a memory loss kind of situation going on. But, um, an interesting factor in all of this is that the way that this story is is delivered to us is through journals, and journals are basically a huge part of our main character's life and so, as the situation starts to to become unstable, he has these journals he can go back on to kind of check like reality and check like for the stability of his knowledge of what's going on. So the journals actually end up being a very important part of the book because it sets us on a, on a course for what, what we believe in, what we don't believe in and like where the story is going to go. Sound complicated. It might be a little complicated. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) But like in the most simplistic way, that's, it's the, that's the weird thing about it is like our protagonist is a very simple person, but being so simple makes everything kind of more complicated in a way.
0: Yeah, one of the things I guess I should say now after making my complicated comment. Um I don't remember the last time I was more driven to find the result of a book, if that makes sense. So, you know, some books move fast, some books move slow. Some books we've talked about here by 30% of the way in you've already accurately predicted the ending, right? This one kept me turning pages because I wanted to find out what the fuck was going on. And it was done, uh, oddly, as you say, through a super simplistic character in a very kind of confusing situation. But there's just enough dropped every, you know, 10, 15 pages where you go, oh, shit, this is a revelation. You know what I mean? And you want to, like, keep going. So I will say this was probably this year. Um, The book I wanted to get to the end of the most, you know, not, you know, because of the way the story was told it really drove me
1: to want an answer. Me too. And uh, to emphasize that I read this in three sittings, I read 30 percent one night and then I was like, I'll get to, you know, two thirds of the way through the book on the second night. And I ended up finishing the book the second night. So I just kept pushing on because it has a good pace and it's a short book, but it doesn't like, it's not like a, you could read in one sitting book because it's got that complication to it. But um, yeah, I just kept pushing through. But one of the things that interesting that we talked about a little bit in the beginning was um, we are getting all of this information from the journals of this very simple protagonist, but because it contains words that make sense in our world, we know stuff that the character doesn't know. So our understanding of what's happening is kind of like if it's a race, sometimes we're neck and neck and sometimes we pull ahead and then we're neck and neck again. So that was an mm-hmm. interesting like, way of revealing information because doing that made it so that we kind of saw oh, this could, I bet this is what's going to happen, but we were never too far ahead of the protagonist who was much more clueless.
0: Oh, really well done, Susanna
1: Clark. So very what I'm going to well, say now,
0: yeah. yeah, very well done. All right, we're going to hop over to spoiler talk. Um, spoiler talk is where we're going to talk about all the th- things we've so tactfully tiptoed around. Um, and uh, we're going to, talk about the end of this book, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the clues, maybe, and stuff. So we do this for uh, not all the books, but a, a good majority of the books at this point, I would say. Um, so if that's your th- thing, it costs you two bucks a month. So not only are you helping out um, one of your favorite podcasts, um, but you can hear the spoiler talk. So if you've already read Pierre you can go over <laughs> and hear us talk about the things you're like, Oh, I, I know what he's talking about, and I know why you can't say it, because it totally spoils the thing. So you can do that. We do also have new
1: Patreon supporters. Um, which is awesome. So two in the last week, I believe, Rob. does that sound accurate? Yeah, since the last episode, we definitely got two more for sure. um if i was so, if I was responsible, I'd have those names ready, and I don't.
0: That's okay. Whoever you are, thank you. Thank you so much. Maybe we'll get a chance to thank you over in the spoiler talk, which you can actually hear and these other people who are not Patreon supporters can't. So there you go. We'll
1: be back uh, right after spoiler talk. All right. We are back from a, a very good spoiler talk and one in which I think me and Livius both have decided that we are going to um, adjust our original scores <laughs> a little bit hey before we get to that i want to thank
0: our three newest patrons i did it over there but i want to do it here brad tessa and janelle thank you so much for your uh patron uh patreon contributions thank you for your patronage hey you too can be a patron just <laughs> like brad tessa and janelle by going to patreon.com slash booked and donating as little as one dollar a month two dollars a month if you want to hear spoiler talk and if you are unwilling unable Or for whatever reason, don't want to do that. Do us a favor, like this podcast, wherever you're hearing it. Subscribe, do whatever it is on the particular app that you can do that'll get us visible to more people. And that will be almost as good as a Patreon
1: contribution. Yeah, specifically, I'm going to shout out to um, on Apple Podcasts, because that's where more than 50% of our listens come from. Uh, Five star rating and um, writing a review of us. Would uh, put us higher up in the algorithm, so more people get access to our wonderful podcast.
0: All right, so Rob and I are re, uh, redoing our scores as we speak, which is so funny. How a little bit of time talking about uh, about this uh, about a book can kind of change your your attitude a little bit about it.
1: Um, but uh,
0: I don't know. Do you want to Do you want to wrap up first, Rob?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll get started, and I will say I'm going to acknowledge that my rating went up. 0.75 total so uh we did not read uh what is it jonathan strange and mr morell um this was 100% a hundred percent a olivia's call but i was down for it because i read the the synopsis for the book before um given the thumbs up and it just sounded fascinating because it was a labyrinth of you know infinite rooms and all this stuff and it sounded very like starless sea you know like a little bit more of a Like a fantasy world type of thing, but not like in a fantasy way, if that makes sense. Uh, We talked about it in the review. I was daunted at the beginning of this story because of how unfamiliar it felt to me. Um, But that doesn't take long to overcome. And it doesn't take long uh, uh, reading this book to kind of get into a nice flow and the intriguing aspects of the story really pushed you to just keep turning pages. Like we said uh, earlier. So, and again, 245 pages, it's not a long book, but absolutely the strength of this book is, um, just wanting to know what's happening to this character and why. Um, so that really pushes you along and builds a momentum of wanting to flip to the next page and the next page. Um, as far as the story goes, me and Livius had a ton of really good insights in our spoiler talk. And it really brought my appreciation of the book to like kind of the forefront. I just think that, uh, a lot of the things that I would, I would praise, I can't because of spoilers, but the plight of this character and, um, looking at, what's going on with this character in this strange world versus what would happen with a person in the real world and, um, the, the desires and the wants and the, the feelings, the goods and the negatives and stuff that, that happen in both of those worlds and putting them in contrast was one of the things that I really appreciate about this book. Cause it put a lot of stuff into perspective in a way that we can't usually, if it's like me, you know, comparing my life to Livius So we had this entire otherworldly thing happening that allowed us to analyze some of our own um, motivations and stuff like that. Uh, So it's a thought-provoking book, but it's also a great story about a person in an absolutely fantastical situation and and what happens to them and, and how that story plays out. Very well written. I think very cleverly plotted. And um, even the things that I gave lower ratings before, I gave higher ratings to after the fact because they're not downfalls of the story. It's just a complicated story that has some challenges that you have to work through. So it's all very well done. And um, this is my long-winded way of saying it was a very good book. And I would recommend it, too. This is one of those that's got kind of universal... You could probably pretty much hand it to anybody. Um, So overall, what originally was going to be 7.75 out of 10 ended up being 8.5 stars for me.
0: I'm going to try really hard not to just say the same goddamn things you did. That's the problem with going second sometimes, right? You don't want to echo the um, (laughs) co-hosts thing. Uh, Yeah, I... It's an intriguing story, um, although it begins complicated. But look, there's only two characters to learn. Right. So that's a benefit. But it, it's fascinating, you know, to, to read something that takes place in a in a world for again, for lack of a better term, um, you know, that only has two characters. Uh, the Piranesi character is, you know, solid gold, man. I mean, just is is mundane. I was thinking about this while, you, while Rob was doing his wrap up like this is the most mundane page turner ever, right? So there's not a ton of crazy stuff going on, but but like you you learn just enough to like, want to keep going, to want to keep going and to really have a strong desire to understand, you know, what is really going on? Like kind of behind the scenes of of this book. Um, It echoed a little bit. I mentioned this in spoiler talk, but there, I feel like some echoes of the raw shark texts in there. Um, There's, there's a Brian Evanson feel. Um, in this book and how weird this uh, place is, how it's weird, but familiar at the same time. Um, It's just a lot of great storytelling. And there is, there is a story under the story, right? That I think also draws you in and and really is thought provoking and and, and makes you want to follow threads that you can't follow in the pages of the book. And sometimes that can be annoying, Um, And sometimes it can be done just well enough that it really adds to the quality of the book. I said it over in Spoiler Talk, I'll say it here. This book is really, um, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. Um, And I still don't think the score accurately reflects how I felt about it. I did give it a 10 for my personal score. Um, But overall, after averaging everything out, I am at an 8.88, which puts the podcast score at 8.68. An excellent book. And I do want to echo what Rob said. I am pretty sure that you can pretty much recommend this to just about anybody and you know it's kind of a science fiction book and you know we don't really like those so if one falls into that category and it's still really really good like that 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 deserves extra points somewhere
1: yeah now that you say that i guess in the synopsis it does say for readers of neil gaiman's the ocean at the end of the Lane*. And while that one does have witches and shit in it, like I can see like the feel of it is pretty similar. So, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that.
0: Yep. So yeah. um,
1: great stuff. Uh, I mean, I think
0: this is her second novel in like 15 years. So I don't know that there will be a lot of other Susanna Clark reviews on, uh, on the podcast. But I, I do think we're probably both
1: open uh, to doing more of that um, if it should materialize. Ooh, really quick. This is one of the things that built confidence uh, as I was about to read the book on the back dust jacket. There is a blurb from one of our favorite authors, Aaron Morgenstern that I'm going to read. Piranesi is a gorgeous spellbinding mystery that gently unravels page by page, precisely the sort of book that I love wordlessly handing to someone so they can have the pleasure of uncovering its secrets for themselves. This book is a treasure washed up upon a forgotten shore, waiting to be discovered holy shit dude yeah i mean that's
0: high praise from a great author but but well deserved very well very deserved. well deserved I'll agree. yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: oh my god i just hit my light sorry rob is still uh learning the uh how to use a spatial awareness in yeah. his new place this is yeah i just place can't I just swing my arms around
1: there. the way i used to that's
0: right yeah <laughs> Rob, what did you, what are you watching? What did you christen the new place with?
1: Well, um, oh, I don't know if I did this in the new place or before I moved out of the old place, but I did watch that new Bill and Ted's movie, Bill and Ted face the music. Um,
0: I think so. Rob and I talked about this (laughs) kind of at length before the podcast, but I I think that, that you should probably give listeners a little bit of your thoughts on that in case that's something they might be interested in so
1: I, I think it's going to be received differently for people who did watch the original two movies versus people who are just watching this. Cause it's a new movie that's out who haven't seen the original two. But, um, so the initial promise of the bill and Ted's movies was that these two idiots were basically going to unite the world in peace through music. Cause they were these, like they were like wannabe metal. They were like, they wanted to be in a metal band, but they didn't know how to play music. It was like, so it was all cleverly written that like these, these, they're stupid people and all they cared about was music, but they didn't even know how to play music. But you know, in the future, they're the ones that unite the world and in peace and harmony and stuff like this. Um, And so that's kind of like the story that played out over the first two movies. And in the third movie, it's now, Decades later, and they still haven't done it. So, like now, they're in a time crunch. They have to, in in like the course of seven hours, create the song that unites the world. Otherwise, the whole universe is going to fall apart. Basically, is the premise. Uh, So it's goofy and it's funny and it's got like, I think at one point it's got, and this is probably even in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler or anything. But it's got like an appearance by David Grohl. So it's kind of, it's it's not doesn't take itself very seriously, but. The reason I enjoyed it so much is because um, of the message at the end. Um, when that you know when it, uh, the when the, I'm not going to say what happens, but the message at the end, I didn't see it being so positive and happy and make me feel so good in a time where like it's really hard to feel good about stuff because of all the negative stuff that's going on and frankly that we're doing to each other. So um, while it's just kind of a goofy romp of a movie. It really ends in a very in a way that's that made me feel very seriously positive and made me think like, fuck, man, we're we need to stop being so negative to each other. So that's why that's why I actually liked it so much. Bravo, sir. Um,
0: <laughs> you know, I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, who the fuck would watch a movie when they haven't seen the first two? Like what kind of savage? There's like, got to be oh, someone out there that's know, doing that. I know. I know. There's like two other movies, but I'm just going to pick up with the third one and see how it goes. Like I don't. Oh, that, that they exist. I'm me.
1: sure they exist. Uh, um,
0: yeah. um, the other, the other thought I had was um, th- those characters did start out on Saturday Night Live, right? I'm not confusing them with someone else where they did like interviews in a basement.
1: Wow, you're confusing it with Wayne's World. Oh, shit. That's a totally different thing, isn't it? Oh, my God. I would like
0: to. All right. So I would like to go back. uh, And this is just for me and you. Um, I did not see the first because I did (laughs) see the first Wayne's World.
1: Oh, my God. Wait, is this not not, for the podcast?
0: No, I was just saying that just to clear up for podcast listeners, they wouldn't understand. Because I said I saw the first
1: one, but that was just. Yeah, no. Yeah. There you go. That's my knowledge on Bill and Ted. I thought they were Wayne's World. You know what? I never th- stopped to think if one was inspired by the other, but it's very similar. It's just two dopey people who, well, you know, care about music or whatever. If uh, if this movie is um, commercially successful, then
0: I'm sure you will see a Wayne's World um, sequel R- right on its heels, right on Wayne's its World heels three. Yeah. Well, see, that's the other thing cause there were there were two Wayne's. World. I was even yep. thinking I was like, oh, Alice Cooper was in that second Bill and s- Ted movie.
1: uh, in the second, yeah. Second Wayne's world movie, but um, yes. Yeah. So there was, all right. So since you mentioned the seconds, um, the second movie is bill and Ted's bogus journey where they die and they go to hell and then they have to go back and save like their girlfriends or whatever. Um, and the most unbelievable thing in the entire movie, including going to hell and, and coming back and everything was they play a battle of the bands at the end toward the end of the, of the movie. Mm hmm and one of the bands that they're battling is primus and they win <laughs> they win against primus and i'm like that's that's no fucking there's primus played Tommy the cat which is like their like most famous song in the movie and they still didn't win the battle of the bands so i call bullshit on that all right Um, you guys can fight Rob on anything he just said.
0: All I know is Primus was in one of the movies, but I'm still not even sure which one, if it was Wayne's World or, I I don't know. Anyway. Wow. Um, I would like to say the only thing I've seen that was noteworthy over the last couple of weeks is the first three episodes of season two of The Boys on Amazon Prime, um, which is a likely more realistic look at superheroes um, where like the superheroes are basically employed by a corporation and it's kind of like an R rated take uh, on, I I mean, clear, clear rip offs. Like you can pretty much every superhero character, you can be like, Oh, that's clearly Wonder Woman. But you know, there's, it's a different name, you know, different origin story, but you know, same powers. There's a guy who runs really, really fast, like the flash, but he's called (laughs) something else. There's a guy who talks to fish, and he's uh, he's named The Deep instead of Aquaman, so you kind of get how it's going. But it's it's definitely entertaining. And then not something I watch, but I am glad to see that the rest of the world has come around to Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid sequel TV show. Yeah. Um, it hit Netflix, so I, I am a YouTube um, whatever premium member and have been uh, for years and years. So I, I watched it as the additional seasons came out on YouTube. I really liked it. I knew almost nobody that had seen it because you had to actually pay for YouTube to see it, but it hit Netflix straight to number one and I'm seeing more people talk about it. Um, the show is definitely worth a watch. Um, if you want to, I know we just talked about someone that, um, brought back a a story after, you know, 30 years. I can't speak for, I can't speak for Bill and Wayne's world. Excellent adventures. Right. (laughs) But I can, um, I can say that the Cobra Kai does it and does it really, really well. So if you haven't seen that yet, definitely check it out. They're like, it's probably like 20, like 20 minute episodes. So it's probably like
1: watching a really long movie. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and call it the Hannibal effect. What happened with Cobra Kai? Because okay. Hannibal, just like a month or two ago, made it onto Netflix. And I fucking, it's everybody in my social media talking about how great they're, how great Hannibal is five years after it went off the air because they never watched it when it was originally airing. And I'm like, motherfucker, I have been, Livius will tell you (laughs) raving about this thing for five years. And all of a sudden I have to, I have to like see everybody experiencing it for the first time. And I'm like, where have you been? You're obviously not paying attention because I've been telling you it's great forever. So, uh, I know how you feel first of all, which is, it's
0: weird though, because that, and and I get that whatever network television is, essentially dead right i mean that's that's it right. maybe it doesn't know it yet but like the the youtube pay barrier for me is like well this is why nobody's seen cobra kai like how many people right. are paying to watch youtube originals or whatever but yeah it, that was goddamn nbc you know that was available yep. to everybody with a fucking you know tin foil that they could put around like you know
1: stick in the antenna slot of their tv yeah and it had good um air time for the first two seasons at least so yeah and then it got moved to friday and that's why it died but um i feel like people are becoming like ingrained in the netflix like formula of sure. just it drops you binge it and mm-hmm. if it's not a netflix it doesn't matter almost which is kind of sad
0: do the one problem i have with that cuz i am definitely guilty of, of binge watching i feel like i have far less retention of something I binge watch mm-hmm. than something that I watch over a period of weeks. Right. So if I, I don't know, like I, I know the Cobra Kai story pretty well, but I watched it over two seasons. I'm guessing over, you know, whatever, 13 months, right? Like a season dropped. I probably watched it all on a weekend and then there was another weekend, but much better retention of things that I like when lost was on television or the shield, like something I sat down for, maybe not on Tuesday nights, but like on the DVR, maybe Wednesday or something. You know what I mean? So I feel mm-hmm. like we suffer a little bit um, because we don't spend enough time with those characters in our heads. I know the viewing time is the same.
1: It takes away reflection. Um, yeah. So like it, it would be the same thing. So this is the 23rd book that we've reviewed this year. And mm-hmm. if we had just sat down and the moment we finished one book, we started reading the next Our appreciation of that book before would be diminished by the fact that we didn't have time to sit and reflect and feel what we feel about the book. So um, that would be a negative. Uh, that could happen with with Netflix viewing or binging. I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just like I said. As much as I love it, I sometimes wonder if it's hurting good
1: shows. Well, um, because I, of that, it, there, you also think about like rewatching. If you're if you're binging, binging and rewatching is probably like the compensation for that. Like, yeah, yeah. I've I've binged. Justified so many times that like I could see the title of an episode and know exactly what happens in that episode, but it's because I've watched the show like six or seven times through. I wonder how many people rewatch stuff like that. Like I, I get it. Like there's
0: a point in time where I just put the office on in the background. Like I saw yeah. it in its mostly in its original run. I think I probably jumped in maybe midway through season two. Um, but like like you do, like like actual legit rewatches of non like sitcoms, like like Hannibal Justified, those are heavy shows. I mean there's right. there's a lot of themes and, and stuff to be explored. I wonder how many people do that, like on a percentage basis.
1: Yeah. It's a, a, someone should do a study on that so they can mm-hmm. just tell me and I don't have to like try and think about it. I have a better idea. If the uh
0: if a university or the government or someone wants to throw us, I don't know what, one point five million dollars, we could do that study, right? Uh to start, yeah. Yeah, I mean we'll see we'll see where it goes, how wide we need to go. But yeah, yeah, I mean that would definitely be enough to get us going. (laughs) That that would be yeah, first year. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And and really, the study would be just Misty and Jesse,
1: and see (laughs) it would be
0: like a Facebook poll, (laughs) like me asking some people at work.
1: Yeah, and then uh, scribbling uh, it down in a
0: notebook. And then us compiling all of our data at our new summer home in the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, where we will, you know, compile all that research and then provide it to some scientific journal. So <sighs> All right, so that, that's what we're watching. Um I'm going to assume you didn't read anything else I did not. Oh,
1: that's where you would be wrong. Oh, all right, here we go. So I read the second book in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, oh, nice. um The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. I just plan to uh, you know, wrap those up uh, where I have time over the rest of the year. So I've got three more books, four more books to go, but they're short. They're like 150, 200 pages. So um, in the last couple of days where I had time, because it was a long weekend, I just mm-hmm. I just squeezed that in. So, yeah, I did a little extra reading. Very nice. Very, very nice. I um I finished the book.
0: I really spaced out Piranesi. Um, I knew it was a <laughs> short book, but I got like a really early start on it. So I was trying to do like no more than 10% at a time. Yeah. Um so this morning at like 6:45 <laughs> in the morning I was like I should knock out this last 15% of the of the book which didn't take very long obviously but yeah and and I think again this goes back to I could have read this all in two sittings a week ago and I don't know if I would have gotten the same thing out of it that I did is yeah. you know and spacing it out over 9 10 days however long it was that I took I took to read it so yeah. Speaking of books to read, um, there's going to be another episode of this podcast coming, oh, about a week from now. We are going to read a sequel. It is Tom Nolan, book number two, Labyrinth of the Dolls by Craig Walwork. Um, we're going to try to see if we can get Craig on for an interview. Probably won't be in that same episode. There's weird time zone shit going on. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm. when we've read the first Tom Nolan book, I kind of thought that was a one and done, so I'm really interested to see where this goes.
1: I well, I remember it a little bit differently. Um, it it uh, now knowing that there's a so knowing there's a second book. Mm-hmm. I, I in in reflection feel like this was kind of the setup for an origin of a series in a way that the first book. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll, I'm, I'm interested to see where, where he takes this.
0: So that'll be our uh, our next review. Well, like I said, roughly a week from when you're getting this. And uh, hopefully we can get Craig on to join us uh, and talk a little bit. Uh, it's been a while since we've had him on.
1: So it'd be good to hear him talk about Tom Nolan and, you know,
0: if there's going to be a book three.
1: Yeah, because it seems like it's going to be a series. Um, and since I have the other two books in September sitting on my desk. I'm going to talk about those as well. So upcoming from Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing, uh, the author Paul Michael Anderson has a book called Standalone, which jumped out to me because um, I think it was Stephen King had tweeted about um, what if there was a story written from the perspective of like the slasher, like, but the slasher is under, is in danger. And Perpetual Motion was like, hey, funny that you mention it. This book is coming out. So that's kind of, I didn't, I didn't read the synopsis yet, but um, that's what drew me into wanting to read this book. And then after that long-awaited, I think Livius will agree with me, long, long-awaited new Jeremy Robert Johnson. Uh, we'll round out the end of September. His book, The Loop, uh, is is, our, is a couple books away. I'm very much looking forward to, to new Jeremy Robert Johnson. For anybody who who listened to our Decade in Review, he dominated the year 2017. So it's been a few years since we've had (laughs) new stuff from him, but I'm very excited about it.
0: As am I. Um, That's going to wrap it up for this week. Please take a moment to like, share, subscribe, whatever it is this particular podcast app you're using. Leave a review um uh, drop a comment if you're listening on youtube which people listen on youtube which i absolutely love because i can't see why you would go to youtube to listen to something but uh we love you guys I, i may love you the most just fyi if you're listening on youtube um but yeah please like comment subscribe whatever it is your app allows you to do it really helps us
1: out and we'll appreciate you all the more all right that's gonna do it for this episode join us next week for some wall work goodness until then i'm rob olson and I'm Livius Snudden. Keep reading. Be